0: Lord, Remember what would happen in the great revival meetings in days gone by, that there was no room for the preacher. The preacher just needed to stay aside and the praises just took over. I look forward to that because I can't carry a tomb. I have to tote it in a bucket. And, uh, but some of you do that amazingly well. Well, good morning and welcome, as Kurt's already reminded us of, the uh, The last Sunday of 2019. How many of you are going to be glad to see 2019 in the rearview mirror? (laughs) For some, it has been a challenge. For some, maybe it's been a season of great blessing and great breakthrough, great victory, great provision. There are a couple of verses that this morning I I want to feel led to, to just remind us of. The first one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. It's just a very short short line from the apostle Paul. In everything, do what? whine, gripe, complain, blame. None of the above. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Lord, what is your will? Lord, what do you want me to do? What's your will for me? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We have an amazingly brilliant four-year-old grandson at our house. His name is Blanton Thomas Ritter, the first. He has never met a dinosaur that he couldn't name at four years old. He's sounding out words and reading things to us and All of those things just cause a granddad and a grandmama to just light up and just, we're ready to tell the world, this is what the human race is supposed to be like, this smart and this handsome and so forth. There is one thing about Blanton Thomas Ritter that I don't know is any less unique or more unique than any other four-year-old on the face of the earth. He has gotten Christmas. He's figured that out. Its presents and its wrapping paper. It's it's more the receiving of gifts at this time than it is the giving of gifts. He 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 absolutely lives. It seems like to tear into a present. It may be his present or it may be your present, but. <laughs> He just loves to see presents coming, and he loves to have the opportunity to tear that wrapping paper off. But here's, here's the, another interesting part of that. Whatever is inside the, the wrapper, that's only a momentary fascination with him. It's where's the next present coming from? <laughs> Sometimes if, if his mom or dad at this stage in his life say Blanton, say thank you, he'll say thank you. Where's the next one? Now he's a four-year-old and, and he, he will mature, he will grow. He will understand the power of a thank you as time goes on. But it caused me to wonder about us as grown-ups, not not four-year-olds, but sometimes spiritually, we can act like a four-year-old. What you got next for me, Jesus? Jesus, what you got? As if what he's done, what he's done, has lost its luster, has lost its fascination in our hearts. I'm reminded this morning and and want to encourage you to be reminded. It's never inappropriate to turn our hearts up toward heaven and with our hearts full to say, thank you. Thank you. Have you thanked him this year for every paycheck that you've deposited? Or has it become an entitlement mentality? You see, the things about a paycheck wrapped into the numbers and the signature, there's the favor of the Lord evidence there. They didn't have to like you enough to hire you. How did your head rise above all the rest of the crowd and you get picked and still get picked? And what about the ability to do the things that we get paid to do? What if all of a sudden the preacher got sick in the throat and he couldn't holler and spit and talk? The ability to to form a word through our lips that would have to come from a brain that somewhere back there is some, in some semblance working properly. A clear mind to be able to articulate words, to be able to do what we do with our eyes and with our hands. When when was the last time we said, thank you, Lord, for those kinds of things? I, wanna, I just want to encourage us. You know, <laughs> I heard about a family, a couple, you know, they raised their kids and at one of the typical seasons in the course of the year where it had come to be just sort of expected that the whole herd would once again convene in the parents' home, they just decided on this particular occasion, stick a fork in me, I'm done. I'm not going to do that anymore. Because there weren't any thank yous. There wasn't any help cleaning up. There wasn't any help with food being brought. It was just expected that you're supposed to do that for us. And that had gone on for so long that this couple just just said, when it was at what time do you want us to be there? And their response was, we're we're not going to be there. We're we're going to name another city. That's where we're going to be. Because it just didn't feel like that it was even appreciated. I, I wonder sometimes if the Lord would say to us, there is so much more that I want to do for you, but you hadn't appreciated the things I have done. That somehow you just chalk it off to, up to entitlement. Somehow you just you just write it off that it's it's luck or it's that your good looks or your personality your choice. I get no credit for the things that I do for you. I, I, I don't. I'm not fussing at anybody. I'm talking as much to myself as I am to anybody in this room. Do, do you understand that? I'm not hollering at anybody. I'm not. It, it's just that point that. He doesn't have to keep giving us the ability for our lungs to work and for us to draw breath and for us to be able to even speak a word. He doesn't have to keep doing that. He does it because he loves us. But just like all the work that has gone in with many of you ladies doing what you've done in the kitchens and all the shoppings and all the things that have gone on to make this season special in many lives, if you never heard, thank you if it was just like you are expected to produce that pecan pie. You're you just, you just supposed to, because I'm your kid or I'm your whatever, you're supposed to give me those gifts. So What you want to look back and say, I'm trying to do this the best I can because I think I love you. I think I still love you. But to just get a grunt in the direction that would even halfway sound like gratitude would mean a lot. It's not always about saying thank you. It can be a lot about expressing gratitude. Gratitude is the language of humility. Would you repeat that back to me, please? Gratitude is the language of humility. Gratitude is the language of humility. The reason that's important to keep in mind is because the Scripture says God resists The proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Someone full of themselves, someone full of pride, just you just don't hear many thank yous coming out of their mouth. But someone who understands Lord, without you, I'm nothing. And, Lord, you have brought into my life people who love me, people who know my name, people who are willing to do kind things for me, people who are willing to give me gifts. And, Lord, I want to thank you. And, Lord, I want to thank them to even because we notice that, we sense that. I I want to encourage you to just sometime... You know nothing, Kurt said. We've got 48 hours left in this year. It's counting down. I hadn't done the math on that yet, but I'm sure he's right. Somewhere in these next hours, to ask the Lord, Lord, is there is there something? And Lord, I didn't mean to forget it. I, I don't mean to make light of it, but is there something that you want to remind me of? That's happened in this last season of my life that you want me to say thank you for again. It's not just what the next thing is that he has for us, though there may be an infinity of those that are in his heart to bless us with. But for there to be within us that immediate and from the depth of who we are. Lord, I don't deserve that. Why am I in good health? And others probably have loved you more and have have been more faithful to you, and they're struggling with their health. Lord, why am I having a steady job and others don't? Why am I blessed in this? It's, It's because, Lord, you love me. I'm humbled by your love. And I say, thank you. I say, thank you. What is it to back to him? But then also, is there somebody that the Lord would remind you of that you need to specifically say thank you to them for something that they've been in your life or something that they have done for you? The entitlement attitude can just drive a dagger through the heart. Of someone who might otherwise want to give more, want to bless, but when the the giving is just treated as expected, and I know this isn't, may not be a big deal, but it's a big deal to Shirley and me. You know th- this thing of hosting uh, things in your house. There's a lot of work to that. You know, I mean, you it just is. Just you look forward to it, but. We both said to each other, coming out of this Christmas, how much it meant to us that our kids helped clean up after the meal was served, and they ate it, and we all hadn't had a chance to visit, but then they were happy. You know, instead of somehow just thinking that magically, supernaturally, those plates are just going to levitate themselves, and move into that kitchen, and here come the forks walking, and here come here come the plates, and they get out in that sink, and then, then all of a sudden, magically, they're just washed off, and they're put in that dishwasher. Wow, it just magically happens. It don't magically happen. It's these things that are going to make it happen. But it meant something to, to these parents, that these grown kids, even though they you know, we, we hopefully had time to talk and we had a, had a three-month-old and about a two-week-old and then a four-year-old all in the mix and yet somehow they found a way to help and to make it easier for us. Gratitude speaks the language of humility. Be known for your thank you. Be known for your heart of gratitude up here and out this way too can I get a witness amen. it's true whether we say amen or not it's true it's true I, I, I think this one other part is is just is really vital to keep in mind that passage in Revelation 3 the letter to the church at Philadelphia Jesus introducing himself saying I am the one who holds the key of David I open and no one closes, and I close doors that no one can open, meaning that the Lord holds the keys of earthly opportunity for His people. It really doesn't matter who else doesn't like me. It really matters that He likes me because He's the one who holds the key of earthly opportunity. So if as he looks at me and he sees a heart that genuinely is grateful for the things that he has provided, then it makes it easier for him to open those doors and to, to bless when we please him, when we honor him, when we know everything that we enjoy and have comes from him. Be a thanker, be a thanker, be a thanker. The second thing that I just feel I need to say this morning, as we come to the end of this year and anticipate a brand new decade, or just another year, but we're starting the 2020s. I've sensed in my heart gaining strength and clarity over these last few days, the Lord just saying, call my people to prayer. Call my people to prayer. We've got to understand prayer at its core, true prayer, is not about a way, figuring a way to get what you want or what I want. It's not some magical formula to get God to do something he may be reluctant to do, but I really wish he would do, and I want it really bad. So here's here's the formula, here's the hoop I jump through so I can force him into a corner to do what I want him to do. It's not that at all. Prayer at its core is a heart that's listening to his heart. And the conversation, and yes, there is convert. the Lord didn't quit speaking when the Bible was completed, the 66 book were completed. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He will give us enough communication as to what his heart is so that we'll know how to follow what he would want us to do. We we sang that line, I believe that God is good. I believe that God is good. Well, if we believe that God is good, then we have to believe and accept that it's his heart to bless his people, not to withhold, not to punish, not to keep us under such a burden that we can hardly move. His heart is to bless. And, and, and his way of blessing is, can go beyond anything that we would ever imagine would be possible for us to be blessed with and by i'm struck by the words again we read them recently going over david's life and after the sin with bathsheba and and having uriah her husband killed the prophet nathan came in and spoke to david speaking for the lord he listed all of the things that he had done for david elevated him up from obscurity into prominence and given him the ability to command and to lead and, and um, have that crown on his head, the crown of the, of the nation of Israel. And then he, he goes on to say, and there were so many more things like that that I wanted to do that I would have done had you not violated my heart. The, the, the given is God's heart is good. The Lord's heart is warm toward his people. and Prayer at its core, at the very foundation, is not me trying to figure out how I can, I can pull God's chain to do something that he's reluctant to do, but that I think I really want. It is instead that I'm wanting my heart to be so open before him that there's nothing hidden before him. That where there are needs, where there are burdens, where there are longings... I'm able to express those to him. But what I'm trusting in is that what he sees as best and knows as as good for me, even if it's not exactly consistent with what I'm wishing that he would not do, it's going to end up being better and fuller and go farther in its goodness than anything I could have imagined. So my heart is, Lord. I want what you want. If you you want to tell me what you want me to trust you for and believe you for specifically, then I'm open to that. But here's my heart, and I want to know, I want to live in the place of enjoying your heart. Prayer is a dialogue. It is not a monologue. It's not just us telling him, but it's being still long enough for us to hear him. You say, well, how can I ever hear the Lord? Maybe it's because you hadn't been quiet long enough to turn the radio or the TV or gotten away from Facebook enough to let him have some room to speak. Maybe coming into this year, as the Lord says, I'm calling my people to the place of prayer. It means that he's inviting us into that place of warmth, into that place of acceptance into that place of friendship with Him, into that place of safety and honesty where we can unload, but we can also understand that His heart is bigger than our heart. His heart is bigger and power is greater than anything we're right in the middle of. And when we're praying, Lord, I'm asking you for your will to be done. I'm asking you for what you want. Not necessarily what I think I've got to have, but I'm asking you for what you want. There there just rises up in the heart of a child of God a sense of joy and anticipation and expectation because there's nothing that can stop the Lord when he gets ready to move for you. When it is time, there is nothing. He doesn't have to wait for a law to be voted on and approved by both houses of Congress. He, he, he can do he can do what he does, whether it's the Supreme Court that agrees with it or not. He is God and nobody else is. So when, when our hearts are open to him and we're crying out, Lord, I want your will to be done on this earth right where I am, then there can be that sense of resting in that. Joyful expectation that in his time he's going to come. The problem can be we... We, we, we can move away from that place and we can go on to living our lives in our, just in our own perspective and feeling like we left the Lord at church. He's looking out through those windows as we walk out toward 35, we leave Jesus here, which isn't the way it's supposed to be at all. He doesn't want that. So he says through Paul, you be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Last Christmas, Abby, our oldest of the three, we have three groups in our our family. Uh, This is what the kids call, Shirley and me, the parentals, the parentals. They call themselves the originals. That's Abby, Katie, and Evan. We have have taken up a name for their spouses, the chosen ones. (laughs) We got stuck with the originals, and they got stuck with the parentals, but these, these ones that have been selected are the chosen ones. Last Christmas, each one of us received a gift from Abby in the form of this little book. It's called "Draw the Circle: the Forty Day Prayer Challenge by a young preacher who started a church in washington d c and um, called the National Community Church several years ago. And it is a call to prayer. I I ran across Mark Batterson a few years back when somebody handed me a book called um, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. (laughs) It's taken from 2 Samuel 23-23. Verses 20 and 21, Beniah chased a lion down into a pit. Then, despite the snow and slippery ground, he caught the lion and killed it. Beniah, one of David's mighty men. His point being that the Lord takes delight in ones who are willing to allow that crazy, extravagant, explosive faith to rise up and act out through them. I ended up, we got several of those books, I think I gave them to several of our men just to read. In a pit, with a lion, on a snowy day. Meaning that daring Something that's outside the box and beyond normal expectation can be exactly the way God wired you. You're not supposed to kill that part of you. You're not supposed to deny that part of you. You're just supposed to open your heart up and say, Lord, here is who I am, it looks like. Here is how I'm wired. Have your way with me. And he just goes on telling these stories about all these binayas. Down through history and, um, and even in lives today, the Lord has choose to bless in that way. So it's a, that, that's how I first came in touch, got in touch with, with Mark Batterson. But the point of this draw the circle came from his New York Times best-selling book, The Circle Maker, written a few years before. The idea is, and I'll just summarize it, The idea is that the Lord can raise up in our hearts specific anxious places, specific places of need or burdens, not for the purpose of us us being crushed or confused by the weight of those burdens, but for the purpose of us seeking other brothers and sisters in Christ to share that burden with so that they will join with us in praying, praying for the Lord's will, for the Lord's heart to be active and to be expressed in that particular situation. The, we, we each, all eight of us, got the book. She asked us if you'll just read it and it's set up in 40 40-day increments, so it's like about two or three pages apiece. These are excerpts from his other work, that original one, The Circle Maker. And as we went through it, the sense was that, that as we would be drawn to participate in this way, we would individually make the short list, whatever list we wanted to make, that expressed the anxious places or the places of interest and concern in our hearts at this point in time. Abby sensed that it would be something we ought to consider because she she was aware of different things going on in each of the four couples' lives that we, we hear bits and pieces of, but we never had gotten it all out on the table at one time and, and had permission necessarily to, to talk about it openly between us and then for the purpose of prayer. So she had found the book. It had blessed her. She passed it on. You know, I, over my... <laughs> Professional career, I, I have I have been exposed to and been a part of uh, tens of thousands of books. I, I mean, I I'm not ex- exaggerating. Not necessarily read all of those, but been exposed to them and different authors and so forth. But I'm, I'm going to say to you, as I started looking into this, I already sort of was tweaked because I like that line that line in the pit on the snowy day theme. I really like that. I, I knew the guy if he went on down that line consistently, then would have some, there would be some challenges to faith and vision that he could impart. The, the more I read through, the more blessed and stirred and encouraged I was. That happened with each of the eight of us. This is our little family, okay? Grown kids, married, not under the same roof. So we agreed to set, a, set aside 40 days. This was a year ago, in January. I guess it was probably early February when we started. Each of the eight came up with, as we asked the Lord, what are the things that that I need to put here before the group to be praying with me about. And all eight of us came up with things. The cool thing is you can just email that into kind of a wherever the central headquarters of the net would be, and you you know you you've got got it in, in one body without it having to be a, a big drawn-out process of containment and compilation. So we had it, everybody's. And we set aside those 40 days to start praying. I want to just tell you, now, and again, you, we, we would, there was no set hour in the day to do it. There wasn't a requirement that you had to spend this much time over it. It was putting ourselves before the Lord and just saying, Lord, you direct us to pray. We were oh, be able to be aware of of the other seven in the group and what their needs were. I I just need to tell you that there came some breakthroughs, some provisions, some answers during that 40-day, but since those 40 days were up throughout the rest of this year, you know, one of the most marriageable things is we went from one grandson to three grandsons. Thank you very much. You know that's our grandchildren happen to all be of the male gender, but we got went from one to three. Several of the points of specific interest or concern were job related, work related. I I, I don't, I'm not wanting to uncover anything here, but because, but I just want you to hear me. Uh, We, Abby and Ryan, um, Ryan has been working for the Hunt family in Dallas who owned the Kansas City Chiefs and um, some soccer teams, professional soccer teams. Ryan is brilliant in the sports realm. He always has always loved sports. He's been working with the family for the last um, several years, 10 years or so. But one of the things that was going on is that was just the, the, the concern of is, is my future to stay here with With the Hunt Sports Group and the Kansas City Chiefs, so forth, or is there something else that, Lord, you have for me to do? The Hunts are a wonderful Christian family. I don't know about all the other NFL owners, but those folks know the Lord, love the Lord. Hunt and Tavia and the and, and the mother who was married to Lamar Hunt and. Those of you who are, have the background and all that stuff, you, you'll recognize that name. But they, they know the Lord, love the Lord. It wasn't about trying to get out of something godless. It was just whether or not is this the future. So that was, that was one of the items. <laughs> well, as time goes on, by about the summertime, something has happened up in how they make their decisions, and, and Ryan has moved from being a, a, a significant part of what's going on to a senior vice president level within the hunt sports. If you if you go, get home, if this preacher will hush, says you're not you not gonna make it. You're not gonna make it. Uh, Twelve o'clock straight up is when the Kansas City Chiefs play whoever they're playing today. You, you're liable to look up there and see the, you know, the Hunt family, and there'll be Ryan sitting right, right there next to him. Sometimes Abby's up there in the deal. What, but it was it was a it was a movement of confirmation and a door opening regarding something that they were they had just been concerned about it, and God just did it. But here, here's the deal, because it, because it was shared with the other, the rest of us, we have the joy of rejoicing in the answer to prayer, and it wasn't just the two of them that were rejoicing. Plus, look, you, some of you, you parents will know this. You, you understand? When, when you got kids growing up, you, you, you don't want to be acting like you're getting in their business, Right? And I know the kids would say, well, we don't want them in our business. That, that's why we don't tell them everything. But sometimes you, you just, as parents, you, you, you're concerned. You want to know and you want to poke around a little bit. Well, all of that just gets settled when it has been by mutual agreement that everybody is going to pitch in what they're concerned about. So it's already on the table. You're not having to knock the door down in order to ask a question about how, how's it going because it's a matter of prayer. I could move to to um, uh, Katie and, and and Adam, and and they had moved back here from L.A. and we finally had them in the area. And but but it was exactly what Adam was going to be doing professionally and in the real estate area and so forth. And and we we're praying about that. Well, in the, while we were praying, there was a startup company that he didn't even know about that was being formed in, in New York that was going to be opening up down here with a new way to do real estate, home sales, and all that kind of stuff. And he's just a real innovator. He just, he just loves thinking outside the box. Somewhere or another, after this time of prayer, this season of prayer, they find him or he finds them, and there's a connection. And it seemed like many of the things that he's just wired to do and trained to do, well, he's able to do. And, it's, and has, he's just experienced another bump up in, in the deal. So, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I could go on and on and on and say to you, there are some things that God seems to wait to do until when he answers the prayer, he's not just bringing a blessing to us. But he's bringing a blessing to the ones who prayed with us and stood with us. He's not just answering my prayer; he's answering their prayer too. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. If any of this sounds like it's something that would connect, I, I want you—you you, you can do this. But you can go to Amazon Prime, you can go to ChristianBook.com, you can go to eBay, and find these little books—paperback books. Paperback books from anywhere from $4 to $10, I I, I want to just challenge you to get one and start reading it. If it connects with you, if it stirs something in you, then the Lord may put somebody else or two or three or four or five that you want to get the book and send it to them. Now, we don't make a dime off of this. Don't worry about that. He's just trying to sell books. No, we're not. If you do it through these other sources, we don't get anything anyway. That's not the point. But if the Lord puts somebody in your heart to have them read along with you, it would be for the purpose of them joining in your prayer circle, being a part of your prayer circle, with the idea of maybe for 40 days, we would commit to pray with each other and for each other for that period of time for the specific things that are going on. Now, here's another thing I want to say. Don't be trying to do this just in Alamo City. I mean, many of you watching online, I I would just love for us to have the only connection, not being any kind of church membership or even geographic proximity, it would just be the connection at the heart, that that we're able to do this because of the online connections and and so forth. You do it all over the world, all over the world. What if your prayer circle... Is, is one, San Antonio, but it's also L.A., somebody in New York that you know, somebody who's stationed overseas in Saudi or somewhere, and you're able to be a prayer circle around the specific things that each one of you, they, they will be, they need to be safe people, safe people, you can trust them, and they have a heart for the Lord. It may be your family, it, it may be your family, but it isn't going to work, mama, 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 if you start, if you trot in there and you just shove that under your son's nose and say, you need to read this, I'm just <laughs> he'll say, he'll be nice to you, thank you, Mama, and he'll throw it in the trash when you get out of it. Let the Lord prompt you. Uh, And and the way that the Lord calls us to prayer many times, draws us closer to Him, is where there are felt needs in our lives. It may be medical. It may be business. it, It may be family. It could be any number of things. But He's using those things that we can't fix that get to us to draw us to Him. And where there is somebody that you know may be going through something like that, their, their life has at least one category that's, that's struggling, that's, that, that, that's unsettled for them, they, they may be wide open to being a part of this with you. Now, 2 uh, Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Folks, listen. Hello. Starting a brand new decade. We have an impeachment slash removal from office, historic whatever it is that's going on in Washington right now. We have an election, a presidential election, happening in November. Now, we can either do like the rest of the world and whine and gripe and blame and complain and say the whole world's going, to a toilet, going through, through the toilet, All everything in Washington is so broken nobody can fix it. We can do those things or we can do what we're supposed to do when we, when we can't fix something on our own. If my people who were called by my name, will humble themselves. Don't, don't wait for the pagans to humble themselves. They don't know how to spell it. And many times we don't act like we know how to spell it. He says, I'm not looking for the rest of the world. I'm looking for my people to bow their hearts, repent of their sins. We can say, well, they're doing this and their lifestyle is that and they're promoting the other. It's if the Lord's saying, I know what they're doing. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. Repent of your sins. Humble yourself. Then he says, if you do that, I will forgive your sin. I will heal your prayer. And then look how it expands it. I will heal your land. Folks, I I, I just feel like it's incumbent upon us as the Alamo City family, as a part of the, the body of Christ, that instead of being known as whiners and blamers with regard to our political situation that in some ways is unlike at any other time in our history, at least in our lifetime, that we be found agreeing, Lord, your will for Washington, D.C., your will for the Oval Office, your will for the Supreme Court justices, your will for the houses of Congress, your will for the governor's office here, your will, your will, your will. The Democrats think they've got to They know who'd be good. Republicans think they know who'd be good. God knows who he's chosen. And you know what? He's not a Democrat and he's not a Republican. He stands alone far above all this stuff. And so our prayer just needs to be, Lord, we're in agreement. We're called to this place of fellowship with you, closest to you, in this place called prayer. And as best we know our hearts, we're agreeing and asking you to cause your will to be done on this earth, your kingdom to come. But if you think you're so smart, if you don't think anybody can tell you anything different than what you've already concluded in your pea brain, then to try to say, God, your will be done when at the same time you've already made your mind up, is a waste of breath. It's, Lord, I don't know. I can't understand. You have picked consistently down through the pages of history, you have consistently picked godly men and women, people of character, but you have also picked godless people of character because you couldn't find anybody else with the nerve enough to stand firm for what was important to you. You picked you pick Cyrus. He used Nebuchadnezzar, the destroyer of Jerusalem. He used Nebuchadnezzar. So you know, you, you put to try to put some, some scale up there, well, this person is disqualified because of this in his life or in her life or whatever. You, 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 you just hadn't read much biblical history. You hadn't. The Lord can find one that honors his name, that's clean, that's pure. Yes, that's preferred. But we got to watch this business of just saying God can't. God, God can't. God wouldn't. Oh, my goodness. Watch him just blow your hat in the creek and surprise you. It's it's the same thing when he says that my ways are higher than your ways. What's he talking about? His mercy. His mercy. He forgives. He restores. He replenishes unlike the human capacity to do such. That's Isaiah 55. So let the wicked man return to the Lord. Let, let, Let the one who's perverted his or her way come back to the Lord. And this is what Isaiah says, and he will abundantly pardon. Amen, amen, amen. So we got to quit writing folks off. When all these faces come up, you know, on on your your preferred channel of news feeds, instead of just saying, well, that one's gone and that one's no good, and I just said, Lord, what a candidate (laughs) for the glory of God to just settle right down on that heart right there. Lord, I'm asking you to bring your kingdom to that heart, to that life. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to move in and set up your throne in that heart. Now, that's the kind of heart that would chase a lion into a pit on a snowy day. And we are dared by the Spirit to be that kind of bodacious, if you will, in our faith. We don't know who the Lord has chosen and who he has not chosen. He gives insight. We, we, we're to honor the things that we would since please him, but all I'm saying is, as he calls us to prayer in this year of the beginning of a decade, at this historic season in our nation, in the negative in some ways, but positive in the other ways, the Church of Jesus Christ needs to be found more talking this way and more listening this way than we are found connected with the lateral influencers and handlers in this life. This will wear you out. This will fill you up. So we, we we shouldn't be carrying the same kind of countenance with folks who don't know what we know about the goodness of the Lord and the favor of the Lord and the power of prayer and the hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. We shouldn't be looking like that. We shouldn't be talking like that. We shouldn't be carrying ourselves stooped over and beaten down and expecting the worst. Now, may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope, amen, Amen. by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those of you who have been a part of Alamo City, and some of you have for these three decades, you, you know that I, I, I can't remember that I've ever recommended a book other than some of Sammy's books that he's written that have been on the subject of prayer and revival and so forth. There, there have been some occasionally, but I, I, want, I want to encourage you if what I'm saying is resonating with you, and there is some kind of a sense that, yes, there are places in my life, or in the lives of those I care about that need breakthroughs, it's stuck. That there's 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 not a change, and we sense that the Lord has more. And, and there is a sense that you do have some friends that perhaps would participate in this with you. Before you recommend it to somebody else, you get it and you read it. And our plan is that the idea is. Perhaps on the first Sunday in February, which is the second of February, we would initiate this on a church-wide scale, the 40 days. But it's not just going to be, I don't want it to just be, again, Alamo City buddies. If you've been in the city long and very very long, and you've known the Lord very long, you've got friends in other places. In other churches, maybe in, and again, in other, t- and it, it can be, it can be all women. It can be all men. It can be, it can be couples. It could be business. The Lord will lead you. If it speaks to you, then you'll have a sense of getting it to them. I want you to, I want to encourage you to get on this because I really would like for us to be able to, to start on that first Sunday in February. Which means that we would collectively agree that all of the prayer circles would begin to operate at that point in time, praying through, and 40 days later, on into March, we'd, we would conclude. We're, we're praying through, talking through some helps along the way to do that. But I, I just, it, we were so blessed as a family and still reaping the benefit of the Lord answering specific prayers. See, one of the points here is that that, that sometimes we're just not really sure that the Lord has answered in our prayers because we hadn't prayed anything specific. We're couching our bets to not be disappointed by the Lord, so we just pray generally, like, Lord, bless all the people, bless all the things, bless all... Well, we wouldn't know whether he answered my prayer or not because we're scared to ask specifically. The idea here is to draw a circle around specific things, draw a circle around it. Let, let me read you just a little bit of this. This is this is the introduction that uh, that Mark writes. It says, I've met employers who gave a copy of Draw the Circle to everyone they hire. I've met small groups who have repeated the 40-day challenge as many as 14 times. There are youth groups that have circled their schools. It's so the idea, circling a request, but physically walking and circling buildings, circling Athletes, I've met small groups, and, okay, youth groups have circled their schools, members of Congress who circled the Capitol. Lots of sports chaplains and coaches circling football fields, baseball fields, basketball courts. In fact, one NBA team started to draw the circle on the first day of the playoffs and kept circling until they won the most recent NBA championship. He says, I'm not saying that's why they won, but I'm not saying it didn't either. I like that spunk. And then he finishes with this. I'll, but the illustrations are from business. They're from Scripture. They're from history. Quick read, easy read, challenging thoughts. He says, it doesn't matter what you do. Prayer is the key to your business your practice, your career. The anointing of God isn't limited to pastors who preach. The favor of God is for everyone. If you're an entrepreneur, you need innovative ideas. If you're a physician, you need the discernment to diagnose. If you're in politics, you need the wisdom to govern. If you're in entertainment, you need the charisma to perform. All of these are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. How about that? Whether we write lyrics or craft legislation, sell homes or teach classes, design spaces or open franchises. Prayer is a critical part of the creative process. Don't just brainstorm, (laughs) pray-storm. Turn your classroom, boardroom, locker room, operating room, courtroom, and conference room into a prayer room. Prayer is the difference between appointments and divine appointments. Prayer is the difference between good ideas and God ideas. Prayer is the difference between the favor of God and the luck of the draw. Prayer is the difference between closed doors and open doors. Prayer is the difference between possible and impossible. Prayer is the difference between the best that we can do and the best that God can do. Amen. if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will forgive their sins, I will hear their prayer and I will heal their land. The land can be the part of the land that we live on, that we operate in, that we exercise, the, the, the land that is our jurisdiction and those who are in that realm. The Lord's heart is to heal. it. I believe the Lord is saying, call my people to prayer. And then I believe he also said, and I'll help you. <laughs> I'll help you. So I'm praying that wherever this is supposed to go, whoever's supposed to hear this, it'll be like an electric shock in your spirit. That you're already Googling, you're already Amazon Prime and how to find this thing. Being disobedient in the church house with your phone up. That happens. I realize more than I want to admit. Okay, I'm across. Geographic lines, I I, I have a heart to to do this with some businessmen that are connected with Alamo City, but they are in other parts of the country. Their heart is here, they just can't be here all the time. We met our group, we met the first night where we started this, midway through we we met again and then we finished it up, being able to share our reports and, and so forth but we're able to keep up as sometimes on a daily basis, what the Lord was doing or saying, verses that he raises up as promises and encouragement that comes along. Lord, I I just ask you to take this wherever you want this to go. I I pray that ones who are listening, who are not in this room, but who are part of the Alamo City family, but by way of heart, I ask you Lord to, to bless this truth and bless these encouragements to them just as much as those of us who will be physically in this room. I thank you for Mark Batterson's life. I thank you for what you've taught him. I thank you for the written page and the way that this can be used to increase our faith and encourage us to further obedience and trust in you. Guide us in this, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name.